I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One day in the pubs there, band Verity, were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think? My name is Seb Philpott. And my name is Verity Simmons. And this is Three in a Bar. Yeah, it is. And we've got a great guest this week. Now, this is a cello player mm-hmm. and she's in the London Symphony Orchestra. And her name is... Jenny Brown. She is an incredible cellist. Like, yeah. she's been in the LSO, I think, 39 years now, hasn't she? Yeah. Which is extraordinary. Um, as she joined, she was one of only two female members of the orchestra back in those days where Amazing. women weren't really allowed in the LSO so much. Um, no, they actually she, weren't allowed in no. for all that time before. Uh, it's crazy. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, before that, she was in the Royal Opera House Orchestra mm-hmm. for five years, straight out of uh, music college. In fact, she was still in music college. Yes. When she got that job. So she joined London Symphony Orchestra in 1982. One of the first things she did was playing on Star Wars Return of the Jedi. I mean, that's the pinnacle of cool, isn't it? For a classical musician. It is, isn't it? As a cellist, that's as close to cool as you can ever hope to get, I'd say. And that is talking as a point of view of a cellist myself. (laughs) I think there's there's a certain kind of mythology around the London Symphony Orchestra and Star Wars. They kind of, I think they've, well, they both sort of helped each other out over yeah. the years as as brands. Oh, absolutely. As, as ensembles, as a as a piece of art. So we talk about, of course, Maurice Murphy, who is one of the greatest trumpet players to have ever lived. Yeah, he was the principal trumpet player of the of the LSO since 1977, I believe. I think Star Wars, mm-hmm. the first Star Wars, was his first big project with the orchestra. What a way to go in! That's amazing. I know, isn't it? What isn't a legend. It? Yeah. So you, if you you might not have heard his name before if you're not a musician, but um, you have definitely heard him. Yeah, on, for um, sure. Uh, unfortunately, he's he's not around anymore. Um, no. That he would have been a dream guest to have on this show, but <laughs> yes. Um, but we get to talk about um, yeah about life in the LSO. Yeah, uh, and, and some of the characters that have have been there over the years. That's right. Jenny is actually the third generation of her family to play in the LSO. Her family is ridiculously talented. Um, Her grandfather was in there as a violinist. Her father was a horn player and they actually spent some time together in the orchestra. Um, And now actually fourth generation, her daughter, Katie Smith, 
has actually been going in and playing with them as well, hasn't she? Yeah, Katie is a trumpet player, excellent trumpet player, and she actually hooked this up. She got yeah, in touch thanks, with Katie. us. thanks, Katie. And she said, <laughs> my mum would be a very good guest. Yes, and she was. Because she's kind of, because she has that those older generations above her, she's got tied to that, the past hmm. of um, of the, the glory years. Yeah. Um, and she talks about the dark days oh, of the LSO. That's right. We tried to dig she, on she that, kind of didn't we? She alludes to it every now and again. And we're just <laughs> yeah. like, what, what do you mean? The dark, what? Well, you'll find <laughs> <I know>. out. <laughs> but she's got some good stories about conductors that have been at the LSO. Mm-hmm. People like Andre Previn, Colin Davis. Yeah. Should we go and listen to her? We should go and listen to her right Come now. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. Come this is a fascinating us. interview with Jenny. Here we go. Jenny, it's so lovely to meet you. I've got a feeling that about a million years ago when I was at Guildhall, you might have come in and invigilated one of my Oh my goodness. Dreadful yes, it's possible. Exams. <laughs> Yeah. So do you have still have an association with Guildhall at the moment? I know the LSO does string schemes and things, but do you go in and see them these Hardly days? Hardly any. No, not much anymore. It was it was good fun, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this this last year obviously has been a complete write-off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd do a few exams if they needed extra bodies and, you know, oh, and pretend auditions. Yeah. That yes. seems to be my speciality. That's, that's what I yeah. remember. I remember that. Yes, that's great. Um, and that must be intriguing, isn't it? Going and seeing yeah. what people are up to there. Yeah, that's, I was just sitting there thinking, thank God this isn't me. I couldn't, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it is all quite amazing. But you got your first job, didn't you, while you were still at college? Is that right? You got your job at the Royal Opera House while studying? Yes. I was in my fourth year at the academy yeah. and everybody around was saying, well, you ought to, I mean, this is what we did at the time, start doing a few auditions just to see what it's like because they didn't yeah. have these pretend ones like they do now. And I thought, ooh, okay. <laughs> Applied for this opera house job, just, you know, have a go at doing an audition and got the job. Amazing. And it was actually, I just left the academy right away. They didn't like that very much. But right. <laughs> so, well, this is why I'm at music college to get a job like this. So off yeah. I went and it was amazing. Oh. I miss it. I just love operas. My... <sighs> My passion, oh. really. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, the very first opera I did, the manager said to me, well, you know, it's Puccini and it's, you know, you'll probably f- be all over the place. Don't worry. And I, th- and anyway, it was Tosca. Yeah. And I listened to my mum's record and then I went along and, and I wasn't all over the place. And the tenor was this guy called Pavarotti, which... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I just thought... <laughs> Well, that sounds good. And I thought that they were, you know, this was normal. I didn't realise at the time it was, he was a bit special. Yeah. So I just sat there and, yeah, it's a good start. That's incredible. That was your first thing and it was with Pavarotti. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. I always, I mean, Pavarotti, I I just, is the greatest, isn't he? He, he, It's astonishing voice. The the sound, I mean, you can... More, more than anyone, I think, in, in the world, any singer, you can always tell when it's Pavarotti. Yes, it's very Can't distinctive. You? I don't know what that is. It's just it's his tone, I guess, but his amazing phrasing. I mean, that must have been incredible yeah. to be in the same room playing with him, even sharing lines with him, probably. Yes. Yeah, good old cellos get lots of nice tunes. Yes, um, it's the best. <laughs> but it was sort of in the heyday of the three tenors, really, because... 
Domingo turned up quite a lot as well, and Carreras, and yeah. and I just thought this is the standard. All singers yeah. are going to be like this. Yeah. Little realizing that it was just a freak, amazing freak. <laughs> what a thing to go in on, though. It's a bit like the pinnacle, and then after that, I yeah. mean, downhill all the way. How many years did you spend at the Opera House? Well, only five, which at the time ah. felt like forever. Yes. But, you know, I thought, oh, I don't want to get stuck here, which is so stupid because I'd love to be stuck there now. Um, <laughs> so I always fancied being in a symphony orchestra. Yeah. And an LSO job came up and thought, well, I'll have a go at that, but I won't get in because I, mean, I haven't got a chance of getting in because it was all male at the time. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I got that job as well. So That's incredible. And because... I don't know. Now, please do fact check me because I've got about a 50% hit rate on getting correct facts I've found with previous (laughs) guests. Were you, am I right in thinking you were the second woman in the LSO or like what, certainly one of the very first? I think there were a few women right after the Second World War or something like that when they didn't have enough players. I'm not sure if they were ever members, but when I joined, there was only one other member, a violinist called Jilly Findlay, who um, we still in touch. We had a trio together for a bit. Oh, great. That's great. Did you, I mean, how was that atmosphere going in there then? <sighs> Did you feel like you could be entirely yourself or, you know, what a No, thing. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Because I guess you were trialling, were you, for a while before getting the job? And that must have been a peculiar experience. Well, yes and no. Um, Because I couldn't really, I didn't want the oppressed to know what I was up to, which is stupid. You know, in those days, they didn't have a sort of nice, friendly thing where you could apply for another orchestra and go off and do your trial and then come back if you didn't get it. So I only (laughs) managed to get a couple of concerts with the LSO for my trial. And I just sat there at the front thinking, I'm going to enjoy this because I'm certainly not going to get the job. And this is great. I love this. <laughs> so I only did two concerts oh, wow. for my trial. <laughs> That's incredible. You must have made a heck of an impression on them then. That's, I must have, must have. Yeah, totally. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and how did they treat you within the section? Were you like a bit of, I mean, being a bit of an anomaly, I guess, as a woman yeah. coming in? It was it was interesting, really. I mean, the cello section were lovely. They were all very supportive. Um, some guys were a bit anti-women, actually. They, um, I didn't feel great warmth, but, you know, it's a mixture. I heard that before they allowed women to join, there were sort of discussions within the LSA that they were worried that if women joined, then the men wouldn't be allowed to swear anymore. <laughs> Oh, yes, all of that stuff. They'd go, oh, no, I'm so sorry if they said bloody or something like that. And yeah. oh, for God's sake. I reckon that's probably what, one of the reasons I was acceptable because, you know, I liked a pint of beer and, and I yeah. didn't faint if somebody swore. <laughs> so actually, it probably helped that my dad was in the orchestra as well at the time. So, yes. you know, oh, yes. they were aware of the stable yeah, and did he give you some words of like advice or warning going in there when you were trialling? Uh, I can't remember. I don't think he thought I was going to get the job either, so he didn't really. <laughs> oh, pressure's off then. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was really good fun once yeah. once I was in there. You know, we were together for ten years in the LSO. Oh, that's amazing. So that was that yeah. was nice. That was really nice. Oh, so your dad fantastic. was was Jim Brown. He was a horn player. Was he principal horn? 
Not in the LSO, no. He he joined because because he you know generation older. Everybody thought that he'd been in the LSO for years and years and years. But actually, he only took a job there two or three years before me. I think. Okay. So it, just as a sort of end of career treat, I suppose. Right. <laughs> it wasn't always a treat. No. Where was he before that? Was he freelancer with another orchestra? Yeah, he freelanced a lot. He was he did a lot of film you know that sort of stuff yeah yeah i mean he he would have played on a lot maybe lots of, sort of 70s sort of films like star wars that kind of thing yeah um ah, so that must be li- amazing listener if, you, if you've ever heard a french horn on a star wars film then it probably <laughs> is, your, is your dad yeah possibly well one probably of one a of few them horns, probably yeah, about 30 yeah. Horns playing. yeah yeah well, actually that's yeah. one of the, the the first year of the lso I joined in 1982 and um, they were just doing, I don't know, it's 82, 83, um, the third one, the Return of the Jedi. Oh, amazing. So I did that, which was, it was unbelievable, actually. Um, The way that John Williams works, he had, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen how it used to go in mm. in the Abbey Road. They'd have the big screen up at the back of the studio and these coloured streamers, lines would go across. And when it got to the, like, there, that would be... And he also had a clock. So he did it... He did everything to his clock. You did one run-through to check for mistakes in a part or he'd sort of tweak a bit. And then you'd have a couple of goes and then... And it was all flat-out, unbelievable tricky stuff amazing yeah. and um you know it was full on how long did it take to record the score to uh, return of the jedi oh i can't remember now um quite a few sessions yeah but there was a lot of music I, yeah absolutely and huge orchestra yeah it was great fun i loved that <laughs> i think he did it he sort of laid out the orchestra differently to most orchestras he? he'd do it um going along so like because uh, the 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 room is kind of oblong shaped, isn't it? So yeah. cuboid. He'd go long ways along the, yes. the, the room. Rather, most people go width, width sideways. Way, sideways yes. on. Yeah, they do, don't they? I think that I don't change. Know why. Uh, that might be something to do with that screen. Yeah, All right. so you'd, you'd, I think. So you'd watch the film at the same time. Yes, and you'd he maybe was... have an or- a choir as well, possibly, or maybe yeah. not for that film. But um, yes, I think there was a bit. They'd have them at the back there underneath the screen and then of course he would have his back to the recording box so he didn't have very far to sort of walk back and forwards and it worked it worked but i guess and back then you probably didn't have a click track or anything was it you just had to look at him or was there a click track maybe there was a click track uh just trying to think trying to think how the technology's changed since i don't think we did no i thought because he was such a good conductor yeah. yeah. Having heard the two previous films already, that, that, so you had I, it was such a ma- obviously a huge thing at the time. That must have yeah. been such an exciting feeling going in to record that and being part of that experience. Yeah, oh. it was. I loved it. My children are so, so into the Star Wars films. In fact, they were watching The Force Awakens last night. They've been watching the entire series. So I uh, told them I was talking to you and that you would have been playing on them. And they were like blown away by this. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. And it was so satisfying to play, you know, the mm. parts he wrote so amazingly. It was a bit like sort of Richard Strauss-type writing, you know, you think, oh, yeah. God, I'm never going to be able to play this. But there was something about the way that it was written down on paper that 
suited each instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Was he a calming presence in those sessions? Um, yes, but he was, his, you know, the, he was, you just couldn't help but respect him totally. And yeah. nobody, I mean, people don't mess around anyway, but, you know, you just, you knew you were in the room with a guy who knew what he was, re- he really knew what he was doing. I watched a brilliant documentary the other day on BBC4 about film composers and it's about an hour and a half long and they were just sort of going through lots of different composers and how, how they write and um, who was it talking about John Williams? I can't remember. They were saying how good he is at writing a theme that if you if you sing the rhythm, if you go ba 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 then you know what the tune is and if you just go Ba, 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 ba. If you just do the melody without the rhythm, you also know what the tune is. Yes. Indiana Jones, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> hope you got that. That one. Uh, E.T., e. is it? E.T., e. yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, I did get it. But isn't that incredible? Like, he, he's so good at writing the themes and and everyone knows those those themes. And I guess he sort of did films that suited that kind of music. Very yes. Motif, Motifs, heavy. Yeah. So that's Wagner, isn't it? Not Richard Strauss. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a similarity to Strauss in his sort of, yeah. the, the colours he writes, the, the big themes. and Epic string parts, yeah. Yeah. Epic <laughs> string parts. Oh, yeah. It must be great fun to <laughs> so play the good. cello on some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, oh how amazing. <laughs> and, and for that as well, working with um, with Morris Murphy. Oh, is, yes, Morris. Who, yeah. Um, I mean, everyone in the music industry knows, everyone who's a trumpet player reveres him so much as a complete hero. Um, you know... Just, go on, sorry. Are you a trumpet player? Oh, yeah, I am a trumpet player, yeah. Right, OK. I was, you know, in the LSO since Morris retired and sadly has moved on. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had amazing players in, very similar, at least I would thought, very similar sound you're like lovely phil cobb with his similar vibrato to morris and stuff and you think oh yeah really good great we've got morris back yeah but um actually they're quite different i heard morris playing haydn concerto on some documentary ages ago and i thought golly that's morris and and it's so distinctive it's it's really Mm. i suppose everybody's playing is but you know he was incredible yeah yeah, it's it's such a recognisable sound. Um, yeah, try, like for people that haven't haven't heard his name before, they will definitely heard heard him. If you've heard Star Wars, it's, yeah, it's. I mean, the, the, people always talk about the first note of Star Wars when and the title <laughs> card, that top, yeah, bah! and just that it kind of in it sort of has everything about his playing in in an essence it yeah. is, is in it isn't it um and i, I remember talking um well i had uh, lessons with rod franks when i was at oh, academy yes he, another incredible trumpet player as well um, yeah and he always talked about that lso uh way of production where he said everyone would whack the, f- the front of the note really hard and then everyone yeah. would come back and listen to everyone else and balance it and get it in tune. <laughs> probably, yes. That thing that, I never that thought all... of that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's just what the trumpet players did. Um, right. I always, he, I not, just that was, not just the trumpet players. Not just the trumpet players. LSO's got a very distinctive sound. Has, has it always been? Yeah, I suppose it has. I think it has. I think probably all of the orchestras do to a certain extent. We're talking about how, you know, 
over decades, the personnel change completely, and yet the character of the or- whatever orchestra it is somehow stays the same. And the LSO has always been the sort of, well, how you were talking about the trumpet section approach things, you know, yeah. yay. Did you feel that you had to um, you had to adjust the way you played coming from the Opera House when you were started at the LSO? Did you notice certain characteristics of your playing that you immediately had to sort of change? Like maybe make was it a bigger sound there? Good question. Yes, yeah, much more extreme, yeah. much loud. You know, the the loud bits were louder, and the quiet bits actually as well. Yeah, we're playing on one one hair of the bow. Yes. Terrifyingly quietly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely, that struck me. And yeah. also where the orchestra played, the opera house, I don't know if they're still like that, maybe, probably, they absolutely play on the beat, you know, incredibly close to the beat, which yeah. obviously works when you've got singers 100 yards away that have got to, everybody's playing smack on the beat. is a little bit behind the beat, you know, and it took me quite a long time to back off. <laughs> yes. Not come cr- crashing in a tad early. That must be so hard. That must be something that with time, that it, it, you start feeling yeah. it more with the section and with the orchestra. But I, I know exactly what I mean. I always think that must be very hard for extras coming in or people yes, who I think it is for the first time. Because it's quite terrifying, isn't it? Especially on a quiet yeah. note placement. Yeah. Oh, makes my yeah, palms you just sweat have to... talking about it. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. You have to sort of wait for it. Now, am I right in saying you've done you've been with the LSO for 39 years now? Is it something yeah. like that? That's <laughs> so, absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know quite yeah. how. How do you manage to maintain a a passion for, or you know, obviously it must go up and down, but what sort of things have you done to sort of maintain an enthusiasm for playing? Well, I'm not sure about the enthusiasm bit, but but my list of pieces that I never, ever want to play again has got a bit longer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What what, are those pieces then? Tell us. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Top of the list, everybody's going to gasp. Beethoven violin concerto. Really? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That first bar, you know, dun, 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 dun. I just go, I don't know, my heart sinks. (laughs) And, which is awful, isn't it? And, no. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And actually, Marla five and Marla one because we just played them hundreds of times. Yes, oh. and and it's quite a painful See? process. I find, and they're long. <laughs> You've overdone it. You've yeah, overdone the Marla five. Yeah, I mean, they, you must have done it so much with with Maurice Murphy and, and Phil Carver and and Rod and all. That. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that sort of made it bearable. Yeah, that was amazing. That was unbelievable. Oh. I remember, I won't mention who, a famous old conductor who isn't with us anymore, was trying to explain to Morris how he wanted him to play the beginning. And there was a piano, right? We must have had a piano concerto rehearsal right in front of him. So he went to the piano and he, he was trying to go da-da-da-da <laughs> on the <laughs> And you know it was obviously not going to work, but he didn't <laughs> didn't stop him, and we all just sat there going, 
<laughs> As if you tell Morris how to play it anyway, really. Oh, my God. He, actually, he, he just ignored it and played it his way, which was always stunning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and back when you started, who was the principal cello? Dougie Cummings. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. And, did you have a good relationship with him? Did you? Brilliant. He was, he was terrific. He got terribly sick and couldn't play anymore. Um, he was really unlucky with his health, but he was, he was one of those fantastic sort of natural players that, yeah, he was just oozing music and it was lovely. In, in the bad old days, um, we did have one or two conductors come in who were pretty ropey. And mm. they're, they're, in those days, you know, the LSO would, if things got really dodgy <laughs> mid-concert, we'd just follow the leader, and which right. is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the conductor would be flailing away and going, what are they, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> but everything would be, you know, as good as ever. Nobody would notice except for us and the conductor. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that doesn't happen so much anymore, I don't think. We don't have the, I don't know. Hmm. That's a difference between then and now. So yeah. the bad old days, what... What was it that defined it as the bad old days? Was there was it a difference in personnel or a different? Well, yeah, but sort of attitude or. Um, I suppose it was quite sort of macho. That's probably a hangover mm. from the all male bit. Yeah, and and it wasn't just LSO. It was the whole British sort of thing, and it was sort of quite hard drinking, hard living scene at the time. Because um, the LSO uh, uh, made it into private eye a number of times. Oh God. <laughs> Back in yeah. those those days, for for notorious yeah. tours, I think in particular, did you go on some absolutely <laughs> wild tours? <laughs> mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> I think the, I missed the the sort of height the the heights of that. Right. You know, when when I came in, they'd. In fact, that's probably why they wanted a few women. They thought we'd sort of. <laughs> Calm it down. They, wrongly, yes. They were so wrong. <laughs> they were so wrong. Well, we were talking just prior to seeing you. Do you the LSO must have been like one of the first orchestras who were doing these big Far East tours and, you know, massive large scale orchestral tours. Did you used to enjoy going on those? Yes, I did. It depends where to, obviously. But there was a famous trip the year after I joined, so 1983, yeah. we call it the World Tour. <laughs> and uh, it was five weeks long. Golly, oh. wow. that's a long time to be away. And yeah. we went, I mean, it wasn't quite the world, but we sort of went over to East Coast America, did loads of stuff there, mid-America, West. Then we stopped off at Hawaii because the plane couldn't get from San Francisco to Sydney in one hop. And the orchestra, you know, it was supposed to be a sort of nice break, a stop off in Hawaii where I had flu. So I didn't enjoy it too much, but it was okay. And then we did a bit of Australia and then we went up to the Far East, you know, Tokyo and Japan and Korea and and Bangkok and all sorts of places like that. And then back home, all on the same aeroplane. So that was incredible, actually. And it was a British Airways 707 that they'd, it was the last one that they had. They'd already sold it on, but it was its last trip with a British Airways crew. Actually, it was three crews we had and we got to sort of know them quite. They said it was amazing having the same people all the time to serve. And yeah, yeah. It, it was really nice. And we're still friends with some of them now. It's amazing. 
It must have felt like being rock stars doing that tour because that's like, that's great having your own plane and, you know, I bet an adoration, I expect, wherever you were going at that time as well. Yeah, maybe adoration's good, yeah. But it, it, it wasn't a very grand plane. You know, my, my we all sat in the same seat. It felt like home. And it was all sort of, you know, because it was old. Uh, it was a bit falling to bits inside. A, for example, I always knew which my seat was because the, you know, the little table that comes down was yeah. crooked, very <laughs> crooked. You know, it would fall. So that was my, that was my home for five weeks. Touring must have changed so much since you've all got mobile phones now and the internet yeah. and all that. What would you have? Be given like a, a little book with yeah. uh, day, day sheets on it and that yeah. kind of thing? And we still say, oh, are, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but, <probably."> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a thick little book for the five-week trip. Did you always try and do certain things when you got to new places? Oh, yeah. What was your sort of thing? What, what, what would you try and f- seek out? Well, good places for lunch. Yeah. Um, art galleries sometimes. My dad and I used to go and look at art a bit. Japan, temples and stuff. That's so nice that you're touring with your dad. Yeah. I know. That's yeah. so lucky, isn't it? And yeah. did, you, did you hang out a lot then, you two? Oh, uh, we probably did. He, yeah. His sort of drinking buddy was Morris Murphy. So right. they'd go around together and I'd tag along sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so talk about your, your family, because I, I believe your granddad was also in the LSO, is that correct? Yes, in the 1930s. So and I don't think it was for all that long, but he certainly was. And, you know, I've got his, oh, what are they called? Certificate. It's a share. That's right. A share certificate. Because ah. yeah. we're all shareholders of the orchestra. Oh, right. So what did he play? Violin. Oh, really? Violin, right? oh. Yeah. He was sort of co-leader or something in the 30s for a bit. There's a lovely um, photograph on the staircase at Abbey Road Studios of an orchestra, which must have been the LSO, with uh, Elgar, that's it, <laughs> who was, who was oh, principal conductor for a short while. So Elgar's standing on the podium and there's an orchestra. There was a, they, there was a stage there. It was Studio One, but there was a, ris- a stage. And there's my grandpa, and he lived till he was 92. So, you know, we used to, and he lived quite close to us in London. Um, so, you know, I got to know him a bit and I was looking at it, this photograph, they wouldn't give me a copy. They said, no, it's EMI property. And anyway, I said, that's my grandpa. And they said, how do you know? I thought, what a peculiar thing to ask. Yeah. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> Yeah. That's strange. I think I know yeah. the photo you mean. Is it on the stairs? Yeah. At Abbey Road? I think yeah. it must have been one of the first what, concerts there or something. Or, or some, yeah, it or, probably was, was yes. Or some sort of opening concert, yes. maybe. It looked quite grand, didn't it? There was Elgar surrounded mm. by important-looking people. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, so yeah. so at, when you were growing That's up as a, as a young girl... Were you just surrounded by music, but your, or your family, your mum and your dad were, were musicians and going off mm. to work? And was yeah. that an inspiring sort of thing for you? Yeah, I sort of loved it really because my mum was a bassoon player. Right. She started off at the opera house as well, yeah. and then she freelanced when she was a mum. I'm one of three, and she occasionally she'd go off. You know, she'd be all glamorous, and the babysitter <laughs> would be come and put us to bed, and there would be mum in her sparkly evening dress and I think god that's fantastic I want to do that 
I read in an interview that I think you did with the LSO, for the LSO uh, that your mother was in the Opera House Orchestra and then had to leave at the point that she got married. I know, that's what they did. What? I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I was trying to work it all out this morning, actually, dates. She must have joined in 1949. Right. And then she married my dad. They met there in 1953. And then she had to leave because they didn't have married women. They'd have, you could be there as a single woman. It's it's unbelievable, isn't it? How utterly bizarre. And was that something to do with the maternity pay or well, not wanting to have to do that? Or? I think it was because your husband once you had one yeah. <laughs> was yeah, sort of financially responsible for you and you had to well, You're t- probably taking up a space for, for a man Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Damn it Precisely, <laughs> exactly that <laughs> So we have come a long way We've come a long way that seems incredibly recent. I mean, I know it's a while back, but it still seems, considering what an archaic rule that seems, yeah. I can't believe, you know, that, that's a long way we've come in that relatively short time, isn't it? It is. And then when yeah. you were at the Opera House, first of all, I mean, obviously it was completely different by then. Um, but, I mean, did, was it were there more women there than there were at the LSO when you joined? More of a Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it always had been there. Yeah. At the right. Opera House, they, they had women principals and yeah. it was it was sort of normal. Yeah, absolutely. It was just the LSO, <laughs> which is why we all wanted to get in it, you know, get a job there. Get in it and change it from the inside. Yeah, yes. well, <laughs> the glass ceiling and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually wondering about what your music education was like. We were speaking about obviously being in a very musical household. Was it always the cello for you? No. <laughs> I well started off with a piano and didn't get on very well with that. Um, I wanted to learn the harp. Oh, and mm. thank goodness my parents put me off that. They said, "Oh God, no! We'd have to buy an estate car, and you'd have to get everywhere early to tune all those strings." And yeah, and they knew the realities of it, didn't they? Yeah, they absolutely yeah. did. And then one evening. My mum couldn't get a babysitter for us for this. It was a semi-professional orchestra. She had she'd been booked to do and a rehearsal, and she took us along and said, "Sit there and shut up." And we were sitting right by the cello section, and I I watched and I thought, "Oh, can I learn that, please?" And that so that the rest is history. Yeah. But I wasn't very I wasn't terribly um, young or anything. I was ten by then. Yeah. No, I think uh, that's good. That's probably a really good thing, actually, because especially yes. coming from a musical home, maybe you'd have just kind of got fed up with it if you'd started younger and possibly. hadn't chosen it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. possibly. It's a good age, I think. Yeah. Uh, often people start about seven or eight and they haven't really got the patience for mm, it. Yeah. So. Stamina, yeah. Or, the mental stamina as well. Yeah. Especially on stringed instruments, you hear, you yeah. know, even kids younger than that. And I think, what. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and who was you? Who did you learn with? Did you get set up with somebody from from the from the opera house or from the other side at that stage? <laughs> no, I had this very nice old lady who would come to the house every Sunday yeah. <laughs> and give me a lesson. And then I must have done okay. Um, 
Yeah, it seems so. <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. done all right. Yeah. You've done okay. Yes, you see you have, yes. <laughs> but did you go to, was there like a junior college, that kind of thing, or some specialist school or no, anything like that? No, that, people didn't really do that. I mean, there was no. no very, I think they possibly did exist, but it wasn't really seen as something you had to do. I, I you know, played in some local youth orchestras and things and really liked that. Where was then, this? Which part of the country were you in? South London. Oh, right. So, yeah. So, which part of South London? <laughs> um, <laughs> get to see the road name. I promise but, uh, he's not a stalker. <laughs> so okay. I, I, live, I live in Catford, so that's... He's okay. Uh, oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I went to a school in Sydenham. Ah. Oh. So I played in the Bromley Youth Orchestra for a bit because of that, although oh, we lived... Right in the borough of Croydon, which had yeah. a less good music set up. Yeah. Well, Bromley's got, um, I, I know loads of friends from my, my generation that went through Bromley. Yeah. yeah. They had a really good music scene. Yeah. Then with, I guess, having parents who are, are musicians, was that, a, did it seem like a sort of a natural path for you or was it something, did you have other things that you thought you might go into at any point? <laughs> very natural path I, it didn't occur to me to do anything else but they yeah. they my both my parents encouraged and enabled yeah but they said you know are you sure you want to do this <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard you'll never be rich um yeah. <laughs> and they were right but um yeah they sort of pointed out the bad way yeah. did your, are your siblings musicians as well did they go into no music? they're not but no uh, but they they were both i mean they both had a go on various instruments when they were kids. And they're, they're both incredibly musical somehow. Yeah. My, my sister is a sort of, she writes pop type, rock type songs. Yeah. Great. Just for fun. She's yeah. good, actually. She's got a rich and she sings, you know. Yeah. We just sort of, and my brother, my dad gave him a go on learning the horn which he didn't really I mean he was he was really quite good you know he just sort of did it with ease but he flies airplanes instead so oh wow okay cool <laughs> so it's just me so when uh, Katie came along um mm. and obviously she's now a fantastic professional trumpet player as well yeah and, um, has she come into the LSO have you played with her there yes she did just before all this pandemic stuff yeah. So it's about a year ago now. So kind of January, February might be a bit earlier than that. She did a audition for the second trumpet job and got a trial, which is oh, fantastic. Oh. Fantastic. And then all of a sudden everything shut, you know, then lockdown happened oh. and everything was cancelled. She And she had a trial in the diary or has been going on with the BBC Phil as well for a job yeah. up there and and of course everything was cancelled so I felt so oh. sorry for her it's really That's... awful but they just got her in this week with the LSO they needed a piece with five trumpets in it so fantastic oh that's great yeah and I wasn't there oh no oh, I was gonna no. say how do you feel with her there like do you feel with that sense of nerves almost worse well, we've for done a, children yeah I've done a couple of things and yes I did feel terrific nerves and I thought at last now I understand how my parents must have felt <laughs> yeah. it's taken me decades to work that one up but um yeah oh. I'm very proud of her obviously 
Oh. Well, we don't want to put any pressure on her, but obviously she has to get this job just for the the poetry of the, <laughs> the lineage. Yeah, really. Well, yes, yes, she'd be <laughs> yes. fourth generation. Yes, yeah. that's that is amazing. There must be some sort of family award you'd get for that. I'd like to. Think. You'd think so. You'd think so, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. And how about for you though? When you when you get to forty years service with them, <laughs> what will they do? Will they give, I hope you they get go, some oh, good party. <laughs> Well, no, I don't suppose so. It'll be a year from now that I retire, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they, we have a compulsory yeah. retirement age. Ah, oh, I oh. didn't know that. Blimey. Yes, because we're, you know, we're self-governing. We're not, we don't have a salary or anything. And it was decided a way back. And at the time I thought, oh, no, that's awful. But actually it's been the right decision because you know older players would think i can you know bide my time and stay here till i'm 70 or whatever and they'd be getting worse and worse and somebody along the way made a decision that we should have a retirement age of 65 and everybody went it was terrible for the players who were nearly that age because they hadn't saved up enough for retirement. so it to start with it was just awful but now it sort of makes sense at first i thought oh I don't think I'll like this, but now I think, yeah, I'm, it's nearly time. Yeah. Are you sort of mentally preparing for it now, do you think? Do you sort of adjusting? Well, yeah, it's been a really yeah. good practicing for retirement, this lockdown. <gasps> oh, yes, quite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what are your plans? Have you got some exciting uh, retirement plans? Do you think you'll well, start freelancing again, maybe? I don't think so. I think in the old days when there was masses of work around you could do that. But I don't think I really want to. You know, I was thinking, do I really want to spend a whole Saturday 150 miles away earning 120 quid <laughs> playing Beethoven violin concerto badly? <laughs> and five. Uh, you know, <laughs> and Marla five. Yeah, that would be my dream concert. <laughs> no, I don't think I do really. I think it's time. Yeah. I love playing. I absolutely love playing. But... Um, do you think you'll travel a lot um, for pleasure rather than touring? Yes. When we can again, obviously. Completely different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested in UK, actually, destinations. Yeah. Scotland and stuff. It's amazing. Oh, yes. Top of my list. Yeah. This, this, this is boring. This is uh, back to retirement plans. Yeah. I started, you know, I kept thinking, oh, golly, what should I do? So I Started making a little list on my phone. Top of the list is get an, another dog. And oh, lovely. Yes, because where I live now, it's great walking country. And oh. uh, Where are you now? Can't, in the country? Just outside Sevenoaks. Oh, how yeah, lovely. In a, nice. in a little village oh. with a green and a pub and a church and a school and lots of walks. So this year I've walked, gosh, we were trying to work out how far. I thought, you know, a conservative estimate if we were walking 100 miles a month, and it's miles over that. That means we've walked well over a 1,000 miles oh. since lockdown began. And Yeah, we yes. have. We That's really great. have. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I had to buy some new boots the other day. They're getting through the walking boots now. <laughs> That's pretty good going for it. If they've done 1,000 miles, then... Yeah. Uh, that's walking to the south of France, isn't it? And and more. Yeah. I wish yeah. I had walked to the south of yeah. France, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I just wanted to ask you, actually, if you were now going into the music industry um, as a cellist, is do you think you'd go down a similar path or would you be more drawn to the freelance scene these days? Because it's, it's sort of more, I, well, I think I'm right in saying it's more of an eclectic thing these days. Yeah, I think I'd, oh, golly, that's a really interesting question. I'm not sure I know the answer. <laughs> I think I'd like to have, in a way, done some, you know, more freelancing uh, myself now. So I think it's probably quite a good thing because you get into this sort of tunnel vision slightly in a job yeah. like LSO. I think a lot of the younger players, don't they, already have other things going on and chamber groups and teaching and stuff which yeah. is probably much more healthy but you do you play in a trio as well you certainly did didn't you uh, play yeah i did yeah. with jilly the other f- yes yeah and so that i bet that was quite a nice escape really wasn't it and it was lovely yeah, yeah. it definitely kept my playing up yeah because in an orchestra you can you can sort of you just get i don't know you need to do something a little bit soloy yeah totally yeah. such different skill sets isn't it you know even things yeah. like dynamics I just yeah. always, I, I always found it frightening going into orchestras because I haven't done a lot of symphony orchestra playing actually in my career. And I, when I, I remember going in, having not played in a symphony orchestra for a long time and being quite terrified about playing on the A string quietly. And just because I did lots yeah. of chamber music and if I, yes. <laughs> it's such a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. You have to blend yeah. in an orchestra, don't you? Absolutely. And you yeah. absolutely don't blend in a trio. You need no. to... <laughs> Stick out. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Who's the name of the, the bassoon player? Martin. Is it Martin? Gatt. No, Martin Gatt. Yeah. Um, and he, I remember he was saying that joining the LSO was like um, getting onto a treadmill as soon as you, yeah. you start, and then it's just <laughs> it's just hard work, and it, it's just intense, and you don't you can't really get off it. Is, is it always? Is it still the same as that now? I think it's no much less anyway. Because we used to work seven days a week, all the, you know, all the time. It, it's mm. like a drug, really, and that that has definitely changed a bit. I was just thinking back to freelancing. Yeah, yeah. I've got this sad little story, <laughs> which I'd love to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> please um, do. About me, about <laughs> me, and freelancing. Um, when I was sort of young in the LSO. Uh, in fact, it might even have been pre-LSO. There were a few fixers who fixed all of the films and everything, um, apart from LSO stuff. They LSO would get the crumbs a bit. And, um, they, you know, it's a really fierce, probably almost all-male world. And one day <laughs> I was at home on my own and the phone went. That's just how you were fixed. The, the fixer would phone you up and you could say yay or nay. And, and it was this lady fixer not the one who's around now, but previous generation. And I thought, oh, golly, you know, she used to fix my dad for stuff. And she said, could I come in and do these sessions? And I thought, oh, this is it. Hooray. <laughs> anyway, I would have said that, except that I completely lost my voice, utterly, <gasps> utterly. And all no. I could do was sort of, I couldn't do anything. And I could hear at the other end of the phone that she was sort of thinking, what the hell? What's, what's going on? You know, I could hear a few grunts, and and I actually couldn't speak. I couldn't. Oh, oh. No. And I thought, 
there goes my freelance career. Oh my so God. She didn't phone back, sadly. No. Oh, no. <laughs> so that oh. was it. You know, I just thought I could have been, I don't know. Top of the session well, tree. I could have yeah, been wishing to play Marla 5. <laughs> right with, now, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> Of all the amazing conductors you've obviously had at the LSO over the years, who's been your favourite one, do you think? The person who's been the easiest and nicest to work for? Colin Davis. Ah, lovely. Mm. Yes, he was terrific. You know, his enthusiasm for music was infectious and I just, I really admired him some of the younger players you know when he he started to get a bit slower when he was older fair enough and um and they would go oh it's a bit boring he's going well it's not really you know learn yeah but um (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) just learn yeah when I was at the opera house Carlos Kleiber came and did La Boheme and Otello and it was unbelievable i was so lucky anyway many years later in the lso we were in new york and a friend of mine bassoon player bob borton who's retired now he's quite good friends with previn who was sort of all on his own and a bit lonely in new york he said wouldn't it be nice if we took previn out for a pizza or something after the concert tonight so we did and it was lovely we were all i was sitting opposite previn and he said and we'd worked with him a lot and He's, he's terrific as well, really natural. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh. he said to me, right, so who in your experience is the greatest conductor you've ever worked with? And I said, you know, Carlos Kleiber. And then I thought, oh, God. Um, <laughs> 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 and you, of course. Yeah. And he said, he said, too late. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. Thanks so much, Jenny. That was really interesting and uh, great to get a glimpse into your amazing career. Oh, it's just phenomenal. It's so, when everything she was saying, I just kept thinking, oh my God, you've done that too. It's incredible. Which is probably why I was laughing so maniacally. So uh, apologies (laughs) to everyone having to listen to that. (laughs) I know. I probably could have spent the whole hour just chatting about films in the Mm. 80s and 90s that she recorded on. Yeah. And 2000s. Yeah. So, I mean, so much of that John Williams stuff is just so iconic. So I've been in the room recording it. I mean, come on. It's just the coolest thing. It's, it's even cool, like when you rock up to play those Star Wars, uh, the gigs, like where it, these days, if you're playing it, it's, it's yeah. such a buzz. But to play it with John Williams actually there, watching it for the first time, that is, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. So thanks so much, Jenny. We've got a Patreon uh, episode, of course. We, we have it every week. We've got, mm-hmm. uh, how much bonus feet, how much bonus material do we have this week? Oh, quite a good a question. There's quite a bit there. We ch- she chats more about um, some of the conductors. They had. There's a story about Claudio Abardo. Apologies, that might have been terribly pronounced. Claudio Abardo. Why can't I speak? God. <laughs> Go on, have another, another run up at it. <sighs> Claudio Abardo. Yeah? yeah? That sounds good to me. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Great. Uh, yeah, a story about him and, yep. and just about the way orchestras play behind the beat quite often, which I find really hard. Yeah, I yeah. find that really hard. I think if you've done a lot of West End shows, yeah, that's always quite on the beat, isn't it? Yeah. We get quite technical in this section, talking about 
I mean, maybe this is a thing that people in the audience might not notice. Mm. Or maybe they wonder, what does a conductor actually do? Yeah. I always hear that. Because sometimes often, they look totally I think unrelated. No, I don't think it's sometimes. No, obviously conductors are very important and uh, bring a lot of, um, I want to say vibe, but that's a bit underselling it, isn't it? No, but I know what you. I know what you mean. Colin they, Davis didn't bring a vibe. Oh, he was always vibing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'd say Andre Previn brought a vibe. Oh, definitely. He was a bit more rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> it was so cool. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. So anyway, stuff there. there's a Patreon episode, of course, which we do every week. So if you head down to our Patreon, the links down below. You can sign up for as little as £3.50 That's nothing. Nothing. Come on. It's nothing. Well, it is, it is, it is something. something. But for that, so basically you're going to get, for less than a pound a month, you're getting an exclusive episode. But pound the main week. thing is really you're you're helping us. What did I say? Less than a pound a month. We don't want to oh, sell no, ourselves no, 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 too no. short. <laughs> no. Okay. For less than a pound a week, you're, well, mainly you're helping us make the show. Yeah and um, dedicate the time uh, that we do to the show. Mm. Yeah. So we've got some lovely patrons already. So, yeah, we uh, have. Come thanks, join guys. us in the, in the members club. Thanks, guys, for, the, for patroning us. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> tell your friends if you're enjoying it. Yeah. As the, you know, as the restrictions get eased, we'll come do on, more please. things in person. That's got to be soon, hasn't it? It's got, well, yeah, I guess so. I don't want to rush it, though. I'd rather mm. get get everything sorted mm, pandemic-wise yeah. before we rush out into another No, oh, I know. I know you're right, but I just can't wait to mm. go and live a life again. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's a bit, it's a little bit rubbish, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> I think yeah. the weather's going to get a bit warmer, though, tomorrow. Yes. Maybe. Oh, good. That's Possibly. nice. It's time nicely with half-term week We're doing week this on the uh, recording on the weekend, yeah. Saturday. Mm. Still a bit of snow in the driveway. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. I Very cold it. today, isn't it? It is blooming cold. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's time to well, hunker down with Disney Plus, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap up warm, listeners. Yeah. Well, should we let should we let everyone go? Have yeah. a nice week. Yeah. You got any tip top tips for uh like things to do, listen to, watch? Well, has anyone watched Good Girls yet on Netflix? Seb, have you watched Good Girls on Netflix? No. What's it's that? really good. It's with Christina Hendricks. And it's about these oh. three women who all need money for different reasons and they go and rob a convenience store and then it just Ooh. sort of unfolds what sort of snowballs after that. It's really good. The first episode oh, was a bit like meh, but, you know, two seasons in and it's making me stay up far too late two at night. Two seasons in? Yeah, there's a third one up to watch and fourth one being made. Great. Isn't that weird when sometimes a show suddenly becomes popular but it's already yeah. got three seasons? I know. I know, like Shit's Creek, similar thing. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, I still haven't watched that. That's really good too. You have to give it a few seasons before, if you're committed. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about uh, you? Any any top tips? Um, I've been really enjoying the new Staves album, <gasps> Good Woman. Yes! Have it's, you listened to it? Yeah, yeah. I I've love listened it. To it's it really iTunes, good. Like, yeah. It's been in my head all week. So good. And I watched their yeah. little interviews talking about each song. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few on Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant album. Yeah, really good. So check that out. Lovely, uh, lovely kind of wintry vibes. Mm. Uh, yeah. I nice. would say, is, is it wintry vibes? It's just nice and lovely harmonies and 
Yeah, it sort of makes me think of um, Warm, like California nice. in and like yeah holidays. Holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So God, I'm it's going kind back of like full a, circle. <laughs> it's like a winter and and summer holiday vibe. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> but are you thinking like Beach Boys kind of? Uh, yeah, just, you know, that chilled out California sound, really nice mm. kind of smooth vocals, harmonies. It's just, it's just so re- relaxing and calming. I love it. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely voices, those girls. I wonder if they'll come well, and speak to us. Hmm. I think I'd we like should, them to. We should try. <laughs> Let's start a campaign. Okay. Do we know any um, any past guests that might live with any of them? Chris, Christoph van der Ven? Christoph, <laughs> this is a call out okay. to you. Christoph, <laughs> could you speak to uh, Camilla, please? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, thanks, everyone, and uh, have a lovely week, and we'll see you next week with a new guest. Cool. All right, bye. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 